What the hell? Why, it must be the groundskeeper. Well, if he is, he's out of uniform. Hey, you there! What are you doing there? I'm just passing through. Nobody said you could play through. Get off my hole! Oh, Frank, Frank, he said he was passing through, passing through. He's not even a member. Look at the way he's dressed, for Christ's sake. Would you get off my golf course? I am! He is, he is. Go back the way you came! Frank, Frank, listen, I don't like the looks of this guy. Leave him alone, will you? Listen, what am I paying my fucking dues for? This is my golf course. If I want to play here, I will play Nobody here, you understand? Said. If he gets hit with my titleist, that's his fucking problem. Don't yell at me. I'm just here playing with you, for Christ's sake. Catch the ball. You want to... Fire! Fire! Wait, whoa. What the hell are you trying to do? Kill me with a golf ball? Is that enough? You got all these beautiful acres fenced in for your little game? But you gotta kill me with a golf ball? You should have children playing here. You should have families having picnics. You should have a, a goddamn petting zoo. Instead, you got these, these stupid electric carts for you old men have nothing better to do? Frank, Frank, what's wrong, Frank? Frank, Frank, are you okay? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Oh my God, I gotta get some What's help. wrong with you? Help. Your heart? Help. Something's wrong with your heart? Help. What can I do? Help. Help. Pills? Where are your pills? Well, I guess you're out of luck, aren't you? Your little cart's gonna drown. Now, aren't you sorry you didn't let me pass through your golf course? Yeah. And now you're gonna die wearing that stupid little hat. How does it feel? of the Cinema 9 Podcast. Pleasure to have you aboard. We got another great show for you. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. We're live here with you. I bet Chad Gibbons will probably be checking into the show. I imagine maybe Derek Fern. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get a Dan Plummer drop from... <laughs> 
See what else is on that mixtape. The v- <laughs> yeah, let's see what else on that VHS mixtape. Exactly. Uh, don't forget, it's Cinema Nine Pod at ProtonMail.com. If you'd like to send us an email, you can also DM us on all our standard social media formats. We're gonna make a pl- little pledge here that if you will give us a five star rating, uh, we will do something for you. You know, or at least I will. Yeah, Mike will. Five- I'm not. Yeah, doing I will. Anything. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, and I will. Uh, return the favor and however you see fit. A, a fair, reasonable return. Nothing in, in insanely ridiculous. Do kids' birthday party, they show up like fucking clowns. Oh, yeah, see, exactly. It? Well, maybe post-COVID I would. If it's post-COVID, sure, and I'm vaccinated. But, yeah. So give us give us a five-star review, and a year or so from now, Michael Govier will show up at your house on your child's birthday. Isn't that appealing? Yes, that is correct. Or give us five-star review, and we promise that won't happen. Okay, well, if that's uh, how you feel about it, too, that's fine. I don't care. We just want to get some more reviews because they help the show grow, and we can bump up the charts. We are actually in the top 200 for film history shows. Film history. For some reason, we're in film history, but we're not in, like, film otherwise categories on Apple Podcasts. But we're in the top 200 in Great Britain and the United States for film history, and I don't know why. But it is TV. old. We do a lot of old movies, I guess. Oh, this is true. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Travis Roy, how you doing this evening? It's Thursday night. We're doing the show. Uh, have you had a decent week? Is society treating you well? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I was asked today by one of my students what my favorite movie was, and I told him Heat. And he said, Heat? When, when did this come out? And I said, 1995. And he said, that was six years before I was born. And I said, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> we do I old know. movies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the long and short of it, but it's also a classic. Oh, the people likes that one. The people are laughing. Oh, Oh, the people are no longer amused. Oh, Oh, the people are cheering. The people are excited. Look, Heat's a classic. Even though it's old, we knew old movies when we were in the 90s from the 70s, 60s. So come on. Don't disrespect Heat, guys. If you don't know your film history... You're never going to know what's good in the future. Uh, Eric Branstrom, live and uncensored from Griffith, Indiana. Are you still mourning the loss? Wait, of wait, wait, wait. Where, why does Detroit never get a call out? Just for the record, like Detroit just like dropped off the map. It's just Griffith, Indiana. And I'm like sitting here in Detroit like, Woo. Hey, <laughs> Hazel Park. Hazel Park, Michigan. Saying hello. All right, go ahead. There's nothing better than Hazel Park, Michigan, I got to tell you. As a former Shout out. near resident, technically I was in Ferndale, but I was right on the border there. Right, right, right there on the edge. It's a fine town. It's got a great Kroger. Uh, Larry King, he's still dead. Uh, are you okay? <laughs> I'm doing good with that. I am uh, a bit upset about the Golden Globe nominations coming out, and our boy Del oh. Lindo does not get the best supporting uh, nomination. And that's a shame. I didn't. I didn't look at them. I should have. I can't believe I didn't. But I, just, I thought that was a shoe in. But you know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't look at them either. Actually, that would have been a good topic for the show. <laughs> yeah, film <laughs> history, huh? We're just looking at the past. I don't well, know they racked up the Screen Actors Guild nominations, and we all know that's what really counts: actors appreciating actors. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's your really opinion, different. but I mean, well, yeah, in my opinion, I think Travis holds the Oscars. In I love the opinion. Oscars. I, I'm 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 never gonna I'm never gonna be too cool for the Oscars. I don't care what the fuck happens. I'm always gonna love the Oscars. Uh, I, I but I do agree. I I, I mean like I, I mean Oscars is the holy grail. But I, I but the SAG Awards I also find really important as well. So how do we view the Golden Globes then, Travis? Do you look at it clearly as like a step below the Oscars or even yeah, more than other awards? I mean, if I, like to me, like it's. The Oscars, the SAGs, and then the Golden Globes, and then I, and then like you know, Spirit Awards yeah. and stuff. I don't really care about. I'd agree. I mean, let's not forget the Golden Globes is is put on by the 
Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And how much, you know, respect do we give the Hollywood Foreign Press? Like, who gives a fuck what they think anyway? But it's fun. It's a precursor to the Oscars. So it lets you know, like, where the buzz is. For me, it lets me know, like, what to get out there and see early so I can be prepared for Oscar season. We all have our own opinions. In the end, I got to tell you, I'm excited about the Golden Globes. And I'm going to be looking forward to it. I hope. The host, whoever that is, <laughs> is it's, funny. Uh, Tina Fey and help me oh, out. Oh, Amy, uh, Poehler? Amy Poehler. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the two of them again. I got to say, last year is going to be tough to top because Tom Hanks' face was created last year by Ricky Gervais, and that was so fucking funny. And it's still funny. I don't know how you top that. Am I the only one doing it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I can't do it. Tom I, I couldn't even think about it because honestly, I'm just like thinking of the Golden Globes and Ricky Gervais last year, and I'm like, no, that was like, that was 1990 something. That was that was fucking <laughs> eons ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was so long ago. I actually, as I said it, I was even questioning myself. Like, was that really a year ago? I, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, real quick though, I didn't look at these either, Travis. But I'm going to give you the best motion picture drama selections. Okay, the Father. Eat. The Father. Anybody? The Father? Hearing great things. It's an um, Alzheimer's story starring Tony Hopkins. It's supposed to be one of the best of the year. Oh, I, yeah. I've seen something about it, but it has, so it's told the name from is, his, is forgettable. It's told from uh, his perspective, so you get an idea of what it's like to, to have that debilitating oh, disease that the way fun. you've never seen on film before. <laughs> Tra- Travis can say that because... Uh, Clearly a comedy. Because I'm going to have that. Yes, yeah. he fears it, so... I think that's funny only because he fears it, but that's not funny. I'd hope it never happens to you. I want you to be remembering all of our memories until the day you die, but it is. I don't remember last week. Exactly. Uh, Mank. We know Mank. Love Uh, Mank. Love Wank. Wank. Still haven't seen Wank. (laughs) Wank. Uh, Nomadland, which I really want to see still. It's hitting Hulu this month. It's hitting Hulu. Oh, it's hitting Hulu. Okay. Uh, Promising Young Woman. Gotta catch it. So it's 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 right now. It's, you got to pay to rent it, and I'm just you know having. I'm waiting for it. I mean, when it comes out at ten bucks, I'll rent it then. But I'm not doing the twenty dollars thing. And finally, we I think we all saw this: the trial of the Chicago Seven, or two out of yeah. three saw. Yeah, it. I saw it. I think it, I'm glad it's on the list. I couldn't get in the mood, but I might because I just watched some Sorkin. So I oh, think there I'll, you go. I'll give yeah. it a shot. Anyways, uh, the ones I've seen, I've only seen one of those movies. So hey. <laughs> What do I know? I'm yeah, it's not, like we, it's not like we watch a dozen movies a week or anything. <laughs> no. Fuck. Uh, actually, since I quit my job, I was even more busier this week, which is really bizarre. <laughs> but I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So I don't know how it happened, but I did like 8,000 podcasts this week. And this is another one of those pods. We love doing this show. Also, shout out to Viola Davis, who got nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom for God, Best Actress amazing. in a Drama, amazing. which uh, I hope she wins that one. But... You know, we'll see. Anyways, Golden Gloves, check it out. We'll be there. Uh, maybe we'll talk more about that next week once we dive into it a little bit more and have a better understanding. Anyways, it's time for quarantine viewing picks. Yes, it is still a quarantine world. Uh, COVID exists, and it seems like, wow, we're going to come up on a year here in a couple of months, uh, which is pretty wild. That's a, that's a big tribute pretty, to us. Pretty. We've stuck together. It is pretty nice. We've stuck together. We've stayed true to each other, true blue, and... I'm proud of every single one of us. But Travis, what have you been watching over the last seven days? Well, I watched a whole bunch of movies. Um, I uh, let's see. I uh, got my Nick Cage fix and checked out Seeking Justice. <laughs> Him and Guy Pierce wasn't actually that bad. wasn't that bad. 
what's another guy Pierce called Disturbing the Peace from last year, 2020, which with uh, Devin Sawa, and it was the stinkiest turd. I'm going to go ahead and ruin the end of this movie for you because it's got like a three point uh, nothing on IMDb. So you know, if you're concerned, go ahead and hit skip. But the movie literally ends with Guy Pierce chasing Devin Sawa, like the bad guy. On a, Sawa's on a motorcycle and uh, Pierce is on a horse. So it's literally technology versus horse. And that's and it's like the worst chase scene in any movie ever. It's it's almost so bad it's good, but it's not quite bad enough to be that good. So this don't catch a crock of shit. Yeah, don't catch <laughs> disturbing the peace. <laughs> uh, to know me is to know that I love Greg Dooley of the Afghan Wigs and Twilight Singers, right. and uh, he's also an actor. And um, I caught a film uh, on. Uh, it's, I, I didn't. I had some trouble catching it, and I found it on YouTube of all places called Passenger Side in 2009 with Adam Scott, kind of just like a uh, slice of life little movie about two brothers kind of driving around and having a uh, having a day. Greg Dooley just has a cameo in it where he plays a porn director, which is fucking perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was so was, that was funny. It was also a weird uh, like adventure in. Like if I were to direct a movie, it would pretty much be that soundtrack. It was just like all Dinosaur Jr. and Mountain Goats and Super Chunk and shit. And I'm like, right. yeah, and I'm like, this is distracting. Like this is fucking <laughs> indie rock doesn't work as a soundtrack. Like it just does. It does. I mean, of course it does. But like it's it was just distracting to know like every song and be like, oh. Oh yeah, that's, that's oh freak scene, great. You know, just just kind of weird. Um, but it was good. It was good. Uh, I watched the little things, which uh, came out this year, and I, I wrote a review on it so you can catch that. But suffice to say, it's another one of those instances where I am walking around like, "Hey, you guys like this movie?" And everyone's like, "This movie fucking sucks," and I'm like, "I I loved it. I just loved it. I thought it was fantastic." Um, but that, but that seems to be the minority opinion. So so go in with a uh, with a jaded eye, I guess. Did you guys ever see The Freshman from 1990 with Matthew? No, yes. Marlon Brando, no. Matthew Broderick. Eric, do you know the premise? No, I, I have no idea what the premise is. So what this movie is is I shit you not, it is Marlon Brando playing a Godfather lookalike, and then there's this B plot with a Komodo dragon. <laughs> That's this fucking movie. And it's not no even idea. it's not even like being played up for like goofy laughs and like, hey, isn't this bonkers? It's all just like totally straight face, just like, yep. Yeah, he looks just like they, they, they talk about. It. They like the Godfather clips are in the movie. They're like, oh, there he is. <laughs> yep. It's a fucking weird movie. And that Martin Breast, a good director, instead yeah. of a woman. I remember when it came out as a kid, very, very clearly. I can remember it was pushed. I could see the commercials right now. No, 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 no. No, it's garbage. It was pretty fucking wild. I watched another weird-ass Nick Cage movie. When Paul Schaefer and him had Dying of the Light taken away from them, which they disowned, they got back together to make Dog Eat Dog, which is based on a book by Eddie Bunker. Along with, um, and you got also in there Willem Dafoe, and maybe the most depraved role I've ever seen him play. Uh, <laughs> this movie, like if you, Paul Schaefer also is like maybe like the fourth main character in the movie. He, he he's, he's acting in it as well. So like, oh, really? like I wouldn't necessarily recommend this movie to everybody. It's violent as fuck and weird and, and not great. Paul, Paul Schaefer himself said this is not an important movie. <laughs> like unquote. <laughs> Paul Schaefer. 
Am I saying Schaefer? Oh, Paul you Schrader. are saying Schaefer. <laughs> I'm just saying Schaefer. Yeah. You're like, ah, Dave. Ah. <laughs> very different Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry. Paul Schrader, very different dude. Uh, yeah, so Paul, Paul Schrader movie, um, not that we've ever discussed him on this show before. I, I'm not really familiar with his name, apparently. Um, but if you like Paul Schrader and you, and you, and you like Nick Cage and you like Willem Dafoe, like this is a fucking weird-ass like, late-night movie you might want to throw on. I caught both. I got. I caught both the best exotic marigold hotel movies. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were charming. The they Did were you charming. like the second best exotic marigold? <laughs> it was less charming than the first. Yeah. Second um, but best. Well, my, second best. Yeah. <laughs> my big suggestion for the week, and I'll wrap this up, is: um, Have you guys ever even heard of a movie called The Hollers from 2016? H O L L A R S. I was under the. I had never heard of it either. I was under the impression that A Quiet Place with John, was John Krasinski's directorial debut. It is not. It is this movie in 2016, and it's like a classic, like family in crisis coming, like dysfunctional family in crisis coming together to kind of uh, figure shit out with Margot Martindale and him and Richard oh. Jenkins and uh, Shalto Copley and uh, and Charlie Day. And it's 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 really really good. Like I liked it a lot. I mean, like it was. I laughed at it. I felt emotions, and uh, you know, it, it, there wasn't a bunch of surprises, but uh, it was it was a pretty nice little movie. So uh, I would recommend checking that one out. Beautiful. That sounds great, Travis. Wow, uh, nice little Saturday going on there for you. By the way, uh, shout out from Judd Roy on YouTube. Oh, Judd. Hey guys, so glad you picked this movie. Been meaning to watch it again when it's free on one of the big platforms. Hope you're all well. Thanks, hey, brother. Hi, Judd. Yeah, I paid to rent American. Oh, <laughs> sometimes you make a sacrifice for the greater good of the podcast, and that's what you did, Travis. All right. Well, I appreciate Eric. Judd watching. <laughs> I do too. That's great, Judd. Man. Uh, oh shit. Travis Winters says hello. Uh, anyways, Eric Branstrom. What yes, have you Michael? been watching? What have you been watching? Come on, dude. Watch I watched this. the end of the tour again. It's so <laughs> fucking amazing. You just going back to it after like a month later? I wanted to show Ange, and I'm like, I think you would like this because she loved just like regular character studies, no bullshit. It's well, even better than I, it was the first time I saw it. It's so goddamn good, man. So what she think though? She loved it. Okay. Uh, I do want to see his other movie, Smashed. It's about uh, alcoholics, Aaron Paul and um. What's her name? Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I who I do like uh, quite a bit. So I'm I, I think I'm going to report on that next week and check that out. Uh, but oh. the end of the tour is so fucking good. Uh, it, I mean, I don't know what I said about it last time, but to to have a biopic about someone biopic who is so like revered in literary circles and just say have the have the courage to say, you know, this guy really was just uh, this dude that's obsessed with television and kind of a slacker he had all these like emotional problems and and not just like um turn him into this deity which could be so easy to do in a different movie based on somebody of this caliber is is brave uh i love it if you haven't seen it you have to see it uh i took a look at uh <laughs> took a look at molly's game mike um, Oh yeah sorkin from a few years back great first act it 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 kind of outwards welcome with me a little bit but uh, some fucking great performances, and I loved all that. Uh, what who did they say that was? Toby Maguire, that Michael Sarah played yeah. again. Is that yeah, what we were talking about? Player X. Yep, that's he's a big old joke. Was <laughs> <laughs> Zoobly Zoo? What the fuck was that? <laughs> was that Zoobly Zoo? Oh uh, no. <laughs> <Spin it. laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Uh, Christ. You know, I, Love Tailspin. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, rounders. I took another look at Rounders. It's been a while. Uh, my heart broke when we didn't pick it for a selection, so I had to watch it again. Mm. Um, you could have chosen it. We probably could have chosen it. Uh, still amazing. Um, there's a fucking terrible movie on Netflix. I, I, I bring it up only to warn you not to push play. You're going to see the cast, Thomas Jane, Anne Heche, and Jason Patrick, and want to push play so bad. I'm begging you, don't do this, because it's so incompetently made. Thomas Jane spends the entire movie, literally, it's almost like he's doing like an Ernest impression, you know, like Ernest P. Whirl. He's supposed Ouch. to be a serious dad who's looking for his missing daughter. And he's playing it like fucking Ernest. I thought it was like Ernest Ernest loses his daughter. It was so dumb. Stay away from The Vanished. Uh, I also checked out uh, The Little Things, Travis. Uh, <laughs> Ernest loses his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like Ernest loses his daughter starring Thomas Jane as Ernest. Um, so you didn't like Little Things? Again, like you're, you, you, if you don't, you seem to be like in the majority it was it was very drowsy for me. I mean, like I heard a lot of people going to comparing it to '90s thrillers, and when I think of '90s thrillers, I think of these quick, half-paced, like fast-paced, like cheesy, like just popcorn stuff. But this was very somber and drowsy for me in a way that was just I, I couldn't get myself into. Um, yeah, I, I made the comparison to a '90s thriller, but I, I definitely would agree that it's a lot slowed down um because to me it feels like that only updated and these days we kind of want things to be a little grittier yeah yeah i can see that i'll probably take another look at it again i did watch a 90s thriller the juror starring alec baldwin and demi moore uh it's fucking horrible like before i turned it on i'm like i bet you i bet you any money at some point that uh alec baldwin's gonna at some point say two words not guilty because he's trying to intimidate demi moore because she's like the juror Lo and behold, like 25 minutes in, he <laughs> literally says two words, not guilty, to try to intimidate her. It was fucking awesome. Uh, especially the beginning when Demi Moore, who is a single mother trying to raise a small child, is trying to decide if it would be a good idea to sit on a jury for a high-profile murder case involving the mob. Uh, puzzling. Puzzling, to say the least. You guys, I've never seen Point Break uh, the Catherine oh. Bigelow film starring Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. I have what? no clue why I've never seen this, but it happens. I've, I've never seen it, and well, I you, turned you it on. It. Give me two. <laughs> you, Come on. Oh, oh you talk, there you give go. Give me two? Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Busey's finest hour. I believe <laughs> at some point John C. McGinley also says, um, young, dumb, and full of cum. Uh, does, if, I was, yeah. if I was seeing that right. You're a regular blue flame special, aren't you, kid? <laughs> um. When all is said and done, Keanu Reeves as Johnny Utah is the worst cop in movie history. <laughs> Everything he just does, is like, into the he's air. just like, he sees like a, a robbery going down and just opens fire on them like immediately. <laughs> okay, you've both seen this, right? Yes. Many oh, times. Yeah. Why do they go skydiving? Why does Johnny Utah go skydiving with For them? the fucking thrill, dude. What are you talking about? Because they're always competing. They're always the trying to outdo chaser. each other. This is the after end. they both are trying to kill each other. They each knows who the other guy is. And they fucking have fun and go skydiving? Well, it's well, not so fun, exactly. Very special like connection. You're putting your own attitude on it. They it's literally are cracking jokes, having fun. And then like as soon as they land, they're like, ah, freeze. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, it's great. That's why it's, it's a, great. It's a 90s action movie. You don't want it to be ridiculous? 
<laughs> Every time I watch it, I have a good time. You're supposed to have fun, so it's not supposed to be taken so literally. But that's ah, my opinion. So it doesn't I mean I know that. everything. Yeah. Um, but Patrick Swayze, God bless his heart. He's so entertaining in the film. Uh, and that's it, gentlemen. Hey, great job. All right. Nice work. All right. Uh, this week I watched some trash. Uh, <laughs> in the middle of garbage. Uh, I watched uh, I watched this one again. I just can't stop watching it. I'm really enjoying it. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. <laughs> I love it so much. Dormammu? Dormammu. Oh, is that you, Dr. Dormammu? Yeah. Dr. Over I've come to and bargain. over and over again. I, I love, love it. it. So That's much. such a great scene. It's a great scene. It's uh, a. Yeah. I guess I love Cumberbatch too, but I find actually in Infinity War, like my favorite parts of the movie are when uh, Iron Man and Strange are interacting. I could watch those two guys in a movie for probably hours. I really enjoy that. But uh, Strange was fun. And then I did watch Infinity War again because I wanted to see more of those guys together. I also watched uh, Bully, a 2001 film by our old pal, uh, Larry. (laughs) I almost watched that again too. How, How is it? It's really good, man. But it's uh, it's not for everybody. I will say that. It's a Nick really, Stahl is tough, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, Nick Stahl is such a dick, and a poor Brad Renfro. He was a good actor. He really was. Uh, rest in power, Mr. Renfro. But Larry Clark, he's not afraid to put shit on screen and put it right in front of your face. And it's your, it's up to you to decide: Do I want to watch this, or do I want to not watch this? And I gotta say. It's a very, very intense film. But one of the most bizarre scenes is at this, like, uh, gay nightclub. And Nick Stahl's character forces Brad Renfro to go up on stage because some guy offers him 100 bucks to dance up there. And all these, like, guys, like, these teens in their undies are dancing, like, it's just so bizarre it's so bizarre i can't even there's no way i could do it justice here on this live stream you just have to see it for yourself uh i, I found myself just pausing it and trying to <laughs> recall what i had just seen and it gets worse from there too so, yeah. anyways i respect what he does though i respect it well, you know not all of his movies are good but certain movies he's able to put it together and he puts an eye on what's really going on in certain cultures and He's in touch with teen culture, whether it's for good or bad reasons. I'm not sure exactly, but he does really replicate Florida teen culture in the early 2000s quite well here. He really does. So I'll give him that. Uh, and then uh, watch Boiler Room. I hadn't seen Boiler oh, Room in a right. long time. Yeah, Jesus. I, Man, it's I been it, about 18, 20 years. Well, it did come out in 2000, so it's probably been a while since you watched it. I watched... I, I gave a question to a guy on a pod about, would you prefer Wall Street or Wolf of Wall Street? And he went with Boiler Room. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I got to watch Boiler Room. So I fired it up. And I got to say, if they could take out the love story between Nia Long and Giovanni Ribisi, it would be a much better film. I'm much more interested in what's going on with the their firm. And, it, and it's also interesting now because Wolf of Wall Street's come out and we know the story of Jordan Belford. It really was yeah. based off of... It was the first Wolf of Wall Street because it's loosely based off of his firm and him, which uh, at the time I had no idea who Jordan Belfort was when it came out. But yeah, it's not bad. Cut the uh, cut the love story though. Um, <laughs> the ben Younger, I think the guy that made it. Uh, no, no follow up. I, I I I think he just fell off the planet, didn't he? It says written and directed by Ben Younger, and then that's it. That's it. That's it. And Ben Affleck is fucking great in this movie. I know he's replicating 
you know, Baldwin's role in Glenn Glary, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Ross. But yeah. still, he he goes toe-to-toe with them. He fucking brings it, too. And this is when he's at his peak after Armageddon. He could have done whatever he wanted. He did this small little role with little fanfare, and I respect that. So Good job, Ben. I did a double feature. Oh. A double Christian Slater feature. <laughs> Early. Cuffs? No, no, I didn't want to do cuffs. I had to do pump up the volume and is. leaving the cube. There it is. Yep. Yeah. And those are those are go great together. Yeah. And I would say pump up the volume is vastly superior to gleaming the cube. Uh, Tony Hawk's in gleaming the cube. That's fun, and it's kind of kind of bland. But, <laughs> Tell that to Stevie J. Yeah, but pump up the volume has this really interesting message. Now that I'm older and I see it through a different lens, it's like a revolutionary. There's like they're trying to create a revolution in a small area of time, and a film like this just doesn't get made as often as I would like to see anymore. You know what I mean? I, I it had a big impact on me as a kid. I saw it in theaters and like uh, oh, you, know, you did. Yeah, I, like you know, I want which I don't know who who took me to see Happy Harry Hard on in theaters, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you know, I mean, I, it it turned me onto Leonard Cohen and Concrete Blonde really young. Yeah. So props for that right there. Um, and also like, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to talk hard, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I thought, like I, I found it inspired and I, and I watched it, um, sometime over the course of the past year. And I was like, I thought like, wow, this is actually still a pretty decent, it's cheesy as fuck, but it's, it's actually still a pretty good movie. Yeah, it is. The message holds true. This could be yeah. a timeless film. It could be, it really could. And I, wonder if it holds I didn't take that in like you did at a young age. Cause I think I saw it much later after it came out originally. But good film, great film. Uh, hell, might be even would have been maybe a decent film for this show, but I don't know if I want to do that one. But anyways, it also got me thinking of radio movies. So then I immediately watched God. Pirate Radio, which I love yeah. because I just love Richard Curtis movies. I don't know why they're just so enjoyable. I could just watch his movies for hours, and there's always fun characters. It's it's not too intense. It's, there's comedy. There's a little bit of stakes. But it's always at the end, I had a good time. And Pirate Radio is a perfect example of that. A cast of characters galore. Yeah, a lot PSA. of fun. Philip Seymour Hoffman playing the, you know, the American DJ version against all his British counterparts. And sure, rock and roll is kind of overhyped in this movie. It's kind of glorified to a great degree where everybody in England apparently is dancing 24 7 <laughs> to a radio, which is not necessarily what was happening, but whatever. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So there you go. That was uh, some, right. I would recommend those films. Uh, I wouldn't recommend Gleaming the Cube though. Even though I liked it, I would not recommend it. So. That's it. That's All right. Our quarantine viewing picks. The main like course. Say, uh, everybody. Great job. Well done. All right. Don't forget, Cinema iPod, ProTemail.com, Cinema iPod, on all your favorite social media platforms. You can give us a follow. You can give us a DM. You can tell us something about yourself that we don't know. And we'll take it in and move forward. Don't forget, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Five-star rating. If you rate our podcast, I'll rate yours. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, it is now time to focus on our movie of the week. This was the listener selection winner. You guys chose this. We all chose this together. Well, I didn't because technically I never made one single choice, so I don't have any say in this. But I am in part of the show, so I'm going to continue to talk about it. Ladies, gentlemen, teenagers, it's time for Falling Down. Yeah! Defense! Yes, sir. Hi. I'd like some breakfast. We stopped serving breakfast. I know you stopped serving breakfast, Rick. Sheila told me you stopped serving breakfast. Why am I calling you by your first names? I don't even know who you are. 
I still call my boss Mr. I worked for him for seven and a half years, but I walk in here all of a sudden total stranger. I'm calling you Rick and Sheila like we're in some kind of AA meeting. I don't want to be your buddy, Rick. I just want a little breakfast. Well, you can call me Miss Folsom if you want to. Sheila, we stop serving breakfast at 11.30. Rick, have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Yeah. Yeah, well... Here I am, the customer. That's not our policy. You have to order something from the lunch menu. I don't want lunch. I want breakfast. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry, too. Get a gun! Let's get organized! Calm down. Just calm down, everybody. Sit down, sit down over there. Hey, 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 hey. Mister, where are you going? No, 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 no. You sit down there and you finish your lunch. Come on. Everybody just, just relax and take it easy. Come on. Why don't you eat your lunch, please? Eat your lunch. You all need your vitamins A's and B's and... <laughs> it's an accident. It's an accident. It's a, the trigger. It's sensitive. It's, it's okay. It's all right. It's just... It's a sensitive trigger. Could I have my breakfast, please? Nineteen ninety-three <laughs> film starring oh, the the veteran actor Michael Douglas, uh, maybe in his incomparable. prime. Maybe? Incomparable, yeah. Michael Douglas. Incomparable. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. And directed by Joel Schumacher, who is coming up on this show a lot over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> but good for him. Travis Roy, nineteen ninety-three. You're in puberty. Full on. <laughs> and you know you're you're mixing flower it up. of my youth that's yes. right it's flower it's uh, eighth grade man you know it's eighth grade what a time it's to be alive zits. seventh grade eighth grade vaseline in my hair yes. yeah, hitting me know, in the face with a tennis racket you had your green jacket on i'm never sure forget. and never forgive <laughs> so did you see this one in the theater or what happened uh this is not one i saw in theaters i don't think i don't actually remember but this is definitely one that we had a vhs copy of that i wore the fuck out me me and judd and my sister like all three of us like we we watched this movie many 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 times hmm. yeah i hadn't seen it in a long time I, and uh you know it felt like a good one for this show it is this is a perfect movie for this show because it has a lot going on it's a classic in a sense and there's a lot to break down so listeners whoever made the final push to push that other movie in which is known as heat yeah i commend you i think heat would have been interesting was as well, but... i was friend of the oh, show just speak hey just speak how you doing good to see you buddy thank you so much eric brashroom 1993 uh i don't know if this is where the period ended for the rated r movie ban or not but uh when did you no, see this I couldn't see this in theaters because it was rated R and I was only 13 years old. Uh, I had to wait until it uh, came out on video. Uh, so, of course, I wore it out. Okay. Um, it's I, I remember first seeing it in 1995 and I wore the fuck out of the Meyer Video Store's copy. Every time you'd go there to rent it, I would have the copy at my house. Seeing it so many times, not even funny. I was so excited to take it on because... Uh, it's got a lot to offer, a lot more than I thought it did. Uh, I thought I used to think this was just a comedy about a fucking dude like trying to pay people back for fucking him over. There's so much more to it, in my opinion. 
Okay. Well, this came out when we were in seventh grade, February of 93. And I definitely saw it on video like Travis and you did as well. But I don't recall seeing it in theaters. I remember uh, my stepdad being a big fan. My ex twice removed stepdad being a fan of this film. He really liked it. He liked the message and he liked to talk about it a lot. And it was one of the only things we ever talked about, which is really strange. What did he think the message was? I'm curious. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, now that I'm older, I realize that he liked kind of the <laughs> the other yeah. message of this film oh, that I wouldn't not want so to good be one? A support. Yeah, maybe the, you know, the anti-immigration, uh, the man who's taking you control for the white people. You know, I said so, so this is this is some of the muddiest messaging I've ever seen in a movie. Like it is, it is literally sending just like completely mixed signals. Like I'm a fucking racist, but I'm not a fucking Nazi. Like, Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Okay. We're definitely gonna talk more about that, but of course we gotta, we gotta break down what this movie was thought of in its time. Uh, anybody have the rating? Did you guys look it up on IMDb? No, no, no. I'm going to guess high though. I'm going to say 7.1. 7.1. Eric, higher or lower? 7.2. You win by default. I looked it up earlier. It's 7.6. Holy rock, shit. It's a wow. Okay. Solid, it's a beloved film. Yeah. That's a beloved film, no doubt about it. You know, this is <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the type of movie where, like you said, there's mixed messaging and everybody can kind of interpret it in their own way. So as far as critics go and how they saw this film, I was kind of surprised, but you know, maybe I shouldn't have been. At 73% rating from the critics. On Rotten Tomatoes, audience score 84. So there's a 11% gap between the audience and the critics. And, you know, I usually side with the audience, but I do respect critical opinions. So that means there's a fair amount, but not too much, of splats going on in this one. And got we're gonna look up, we got some splats! <laughs> Hopefully find Destin Thompson. But here's David Anson of Newsweek. It's a magazine. He said, a real artist could make something incisive or darkly hilarious out of this moral tightrope act. Schumacher, veering recklessly between social satire, kick-ass fantasy, and damsel in distress melodrama, plays the game for opportunistic cheap thrills. Finally, a movie review from a professional critic that's more than two words long. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll give you that. You know, some of these are... You know, it's not the whole article either, so we're not maybe giving them due credit. But uh, yeah, I I'll, give you, so. I'll, I'll give you your point on that. Uh, Karen James of the New York Times said in May 2003, it turns out one man's slide toward madness into a wickedly mischievous, entertaining suspense thriller. So one man sliding towards madness becomes a very exciting movie for uh, that woman. And Desson Thompson says... Right. What's the Messiah have to say? I mean, what's Desson have to say? God, do you mean? <laughs> Everybody, hold your breath. Douglas's intentionally robotic and intense performance holds its own. He's scary, normal, and funny all at once. Dot, dot, dot. Destin does oh. it again. Oh, my gosh. What perfect adjective. <laughs> scary, <laughs> funny, and normal. Funny and normal. God damn him. I mean, it's, there's some basic descriptors, but God damn it. That's exactly what's <laughs> happening there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last, last one from Roger Eberts. Back in the day, oh. Roger said, the film, dot, 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 again, is actually about a great sadness which turns into madness and which could afflict anyone who is told after many years of hard work that he is unnecessary and irrelevant. And not economically viable. 
<laughs> I'm not economically viable. Know, yeah. That's my is. favorite part of the movie, actually. It's so funny you mentioned the Bonnie Cree cult thing. Really? Uh, I would well, probably. Well, I always said that. I, I was looking for the. I was looking for it when I watched it again. I was like, "Where's the economically viable part?" I was like, "Oh yeah, there it is." <laughs> okay, great, so. Maybe Don't not my favorite me. part, but I was really most anticipatory moment. Right. I just love. I've always loved that part when he says, "You know, don't forget me." Defense. He nods, he nods at him. He's yeah. listening, right? Yeah. Everyone else, just get this fucking guy into jail immediately. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and, shit, and, uh... and also, he's wearing the same outfit as as Bill. Well, I'm just gonna call him Bill because the dude's fucking name is Bill. Why are we gotta call, call him Bill. defense? Right, Bill. <laughs> call him Bill. His name is Bill. Defense right. in the credits, which I, I know. William. Cool. William. William. Bill. There was friends. Yeah, right. Well, does he have friends? It no. It doesn't seem like he does. No. So this guy no is a friends. loner, right? He is a loner. And he lives with his mom. Is this fair yeah. to say? This is yeah, that's true. So maybe he's not such a, you know, maybe it's not so much bad luck. Maybe, I mean, he's in a marriage where he was already acting this way in a sense. You see the video later in the film where he's acting out and lashing out. So so what are we to make of this guy initially? Oh, and what's Jesus. fair and what's unfair? This, this, this to me is like the, oh. the, 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 I think, some of the genius that I hadn't quite seen in the script before. Or, um, and that like part of the appeal to the movie is like, I'm so fucking sick of this traffic jam. I'm getting out of my car and I'm fucking going. And like, and I'm just going to kick ass to get there. And that's like so appealing to, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why the movie is well regarded, but that's, but he doesn't just snap like the way, the way it kind of like, like this is a slow build over a long period of time. He has a history of domestic abuse, scaring the women in his life, like all, all of them. Um, he, uh, you know, he's lost his job and uh, he's like, he's going through like all kinds of shit. This is not like a sudden snap. This is, this is like, and, and one of the questions I really like have always had when I watch this movie is like, was he going to kill his wife and his ex-wife and daughter? Uh, and this time watching the movie, I'm like, yeah, he, he, there was no question in my mind this time. Like, of course that's like, he's a, he's a classic case. Like this guy was like, this, this guy was going to kill him. I'm the bad guy. He's the bad guy from the start. And you know how you know he's a bad guy from the start? Because he's making fun of the, the the Korean dude for not being able to say the letter the the you know the V consonant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a <laughs> yeah. on Early the on. rewatch on the rewatch. That was something that stood out to me that I never noticed before when I was younger. And I agree with you, Travis. Uh, what about you, Eric? I could I, I completely agree, and I had to write down you know um, uh, his his argument with the the Korean fellow and the he's the worst kind of racist and. Just an uninformed bigot who's 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 wrong even about the fucking shit he tries to pontificate. He loses me there, okay? Uh, because I, immediately he loses my sympathy because he's just an asshole and he's an uninformed asshole. But um, you know, do I feel sorry for him as the movie progresses a little bit? Because there's subtle clues I didn't pick up on for the last you know for the first few years I used to watch this. This is a guy who was assumed to be possibly physically violent from his wife. That's why the cop is like, you know, so it never really happened. In my mind, we've got a classic case of somebody who is an, uh, has mental illness that goes untreated, which is a huge problem. I think I looked up like we've got 5 million people uh, that are 10% of adults with mental issues, and that's an estimated five people in this country, are uninsured and they cannot find sufficient health care. This is Mental right. Health of America. So Bill is a case of someone who needs help. He doesn't get it, and eventually he loses his marriage and everything because he's maybe misunderstood and not being taken care of. So for me, Roger Ebert says you go from um, 
does he say you go from um, like madness to sadness or sadness to madness? Because for he, me, he said, he said sadness to madness. For me, it goes from um, madness to sadness. I feel I, I end up feeling more sorry for him as things go on, uh, to be honest with you guys. So wait, you can feel sorry for somebody even if they're not a good person? What? <laughs> I, I, I I do feel sorry for him. I definitely feel sorry for him throughout the movie, but uh, I, I, I get it. Like I, again, I get the sense like this is someone who like, I, I don't feel like so much like he didn't like, if, if he didn't get the help that he needed, I feel like it was available to him and he didn't ask. He seems like a really proud man to me. He seems like a really controlling man to me who needs to control his wife and needs to control his daughter and like make them have the emotions that he wants them to have at the times that he wants them to feel those things. Um, and you know, like the stuff, like when he gets to the point that like, you know, where he's at, that's, it's at the end of the dominoes. Right. I mean, like his wife only left him, like she didn't leave him cause he was doing all this shit. She left him cause she was scared of him. Like that video, like, she, her, like her eyes all like her makeup's all smudged. Cause she's like, just like been crying that hard uh, with him. And that's like, that's, that's what it's like when they're recording. What's it like when they're not recording? Like you, you get, you get a, and like even his own mother's scared of him. He's, he's like, yeah, he's, he, he needs help, but I don't think he was ever going to ask for it. Well, let's look at this then. For example, I was thinking of uh, the Joker or Joker. I was thinking I, uh, of that quite a bit. And I wonder if this movie in the hands of a different director could be a little more grittier and had a different, I don't know, a different vibe to it in a sense. Not a vibe, but a, maybe a different ambiance to it where there is some more mental health connected. This is also in 1993. And I think, you know, right. mental health yeah. seems to be a little bit more involved in movies now yeah. in the last 30 yeah. years. So... I do think about that, and I, I thought about the Joker sitting there with the social worker yeah. being, hey, you're screwed. Sorry, buddy. There's nothing we can do for you. And that's supposed to be set in the past before this film was made. But this guy deserved to have some type of assistance provided to him, and I just don't know if he would ever see himself that way because he doesn't even have any revelations through yeah. the movie until the very, very end. Right. And, and also, like, this is all we got to put it within the context of like the stuff that appealed to your for the, for, former stepfather. Like, this movie just like, but no, seriously, this movie, like, uh, it's it just, it's just like, it, it's like it's shining a flashlight on societal rot the whole time. But like, the, like, just everybody's needy, everybody's a dick, but like, like, he was constantly being confronted with like the scum of society, all these like needy welfare cases with their signs and all this stuff. And he looks down on all them, you know? No like, breakfast. <laughs> right um I, I, I don't know like to, to me there's a lot going on in this movie that um it, it, I, it's it feels like fuel for like hard right ideology in a lot of ways but but like also again not 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 so far to the right that it's like nazism because it makes a very clear point like no 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 not okay but um, but there's a lot like there's definitely like a, like this urban decay thing going on with this movie, almost like in a '70s vibe, like uh, that like you know every like society is sick, and as he says it like I, I I walk from place to place here, and society is sick. It's not that he's sick, although like he is, yeah, he is. but but like. But he also goes toe to toe with the fucking guys on the golf course who are the rich assholes. So that's why that's what you mean. Frank, you say that, but they are just you say that, but. They're, they're guys playing golf that are paying to use the course. And I mean, yeah, but that's you get the vibe. It's a, a private course. It's a private course. And he's like, oh. this is my golf course. You know, it's not just implied that it's a public course where like the, the peons play either. So I think it's fair <laughs> to say that these are, this is a private club. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what the point 
is what you were talking about, Travis. It goes back to his confusion and muddiness about it. Okay, here he is over here. Now he's over here. And what are you to make of it? And I think that's what they're trying to do in a sense too is, hey, why don't you figure out how you feel about this guy in the end? I think they're like trying yeah. to kind of like a, like turn like the mirror on society, but like the mirror is yeah. opaque. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that's funny. I think one of the major themes of it is uh, viability. Um when they introduce Prendergast, we've got an aging cop who's who's no longer viable in his job. His chief basically says that to his face. Uh, and throughout the course of uh, Bill's Odyssey, we run into these these people who are just um, they're not their sustainability in their own culture that's at war with herself uh, itself is is receding. And Bill says, "Am I overskilled or undereducated, or, or is it the other way around?" So. It's never really a- answering anything for you either. It's it's giving you all of these questions, and luckily, I'm hope by now we can all kind of bring our own material to it. So, do you think that Bill is overeducated, underskilled, or you just think that he doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself? This guy's not educated. I mean, in a worldly sense whatsoever, in my opinion, he might have a an engineer's education or whatever it is exactly that he does but that's it this guy doesn't know dick well he spent his life trying to do the right thing as far as he's concerned and he's getting punished for it that's why he says how yeah, did i turn into the bad guy he didn't think for himself yeah like and, and do the right thing to, to him you know it's like stop the communists you know that, that, <laughs> like that that to him yeah. and also like does he have a military background with that haircut i kind of assume that he does but we don't really get a real sense defense contractor it. probably yeah. all they look like he yeah there tends to be a flow of those type of people to those worlds there's a connection yeah <laughs> i think you're right yeah. but like let's talk about you you brought up pendergrass yeah we need to talk about yeah talk about bob. I, bob I got some problems i want to get you guys feelings on this part because like i i just don't go, it's like i said with the what i what the movie i was talking about earlier or uh boiler room boiler room. i don't care I'm like, I don't care about this wife who's driving him nuts. Why did they put so much focus <sighs> oh, on this, like, former trophy oh, beauty queen wow. wife who's older and manic now who drives this guy nuts? We, we, I don't two, really two care reasons. about it. Two reasons. Because, like, she, like, serves as, like, kind of a motivator motivator for him in a way, and it shows him like, shows that he's, like, a good guy. He's going to make all these sacrifices for his wife. Gives him all kinds of backstory. It makes his character very rich. And two, they probably got Tuesday Weld and went, we got to thicken this roll up like <laughs> we got tuesday well we can't just can't just have her like do nothing but i gotta say like um you know robert Duvall has done a great many films in his life and i'm not going to sit here and say that this is his the best performance he ever did but i really this might be one of my favorite performances that he ever did i really really love him in this movie and let me like uh, the, the the scene with uh raymond barry the guy that plays his boss yeah. when barry's pulling that total alpha move like uh unbuttoning his shirt like duck put, you know, like doing his pants up in front of him standing behind his desk while like pendergrass is sitting before him and like he's like just demeaning him and like oh uh, you know the, the 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 bosses they make me ask you to, to stay you know he's just, just like this just pissing all over his parade and like you know already as a viewer that like Prendergrass is like actually like a, a decent man, and you know that like he's doing what he's doing for his daughter, and like he doesn't actually have a lot of lines in that scene. It's mostly Barry doing the talking, but like just the just all these reaction shots coming through. It's just like a, a flood of emotions. It's like you see him like realize that his boss doesn't know anything about his life. Yes, my daughter is dead. Like, um, yep, lucky me. Still got the wife. Like, um, you know, like just like this con- like just it just and it's all just like so subtle. It just the dude the dude, I mean, I gotta say was because he's pretty much retired, was a master. I mean like just an absolute master at the craft. 
And it's different because he's not yelling. You're right. Like, there's a lot of roles where Rob <laughs> Duvel's in charge. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. That's yeah, good. Like, <laughs> that's pretty even, good. Pretty good. Yeah. His arc, yeah, I mean, his arc concerned me. I never really thought about it until this recent viewing. And, uh, God, I, I was wondering, should I get into this or should I not? But Get into it. I'm going to. There's some weird sexism going on with not just his character, but a couple of the other ones. His arc with his wife is basically, okay, he mentions the fact that she's losing her looks and losing her figure like three times throughout this movie. I talk about viability and the, the, essentially we're talking about her viability as a, a partner for him, even though she's getting older. It's a, it's a concern that's on Prendergast's mind throughout the entire film, and not just because she's this frantic basket case and this domineering woman, but, but he's trying to get some sort of weird masculine arc going on by telling her off and not being subordinate anymore. It's just a weird arc for the character. I mean, I, I, I'll push back a little bit. I mean, I, I agree that the, all of the stuff about her figure comes up a lot, but it's not that it's, whether or not it's going to be viable for him because as he tells his former partner, uh, Rachel Tocotin, whatever her character's name is, as he as he, as he tells her, uh, like, you know, there's something you should bear in mind. I love her. And he's, he's moving to Lake Havasu and all this, you know, for her. Um, London Bridge. I, I think that he's saying that, like, in her mind, she has nothing else going on in her life besides her looks and she's losing her looks and that's partly why she's I think, like that, i think that's my that's the point because at the end i don't know if it is it me i get the fact that he's not going to move he's gonna stay a cop in la well here's the thing I, i've always thought that too but when, so he's I, not gonna do what she wants anymore he's well, gonna do what he wants well that's what i thought too but then i was watching it this time and because at the end he's like She's going to be, you know, my name is Mud because I'm not, you know, because I'm still a cop. And I'm like, thought to myself, well, of course he's still a cop. He just shot a man. He he can't just like, well, that was my last day on the job. Guess I'm going to Lake Avenue. <laughs> Thanks for the goddamn bridge. That guy right. talking this shit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right. he, does, he also tells his captain to fuck you very much. Right. That was yeah. great. But he's also, so he's got some paperwork to do. Like, he's, just, like, he's not <laughs> he going to go anywhere. Before, uh, a committee to a shooting. Authority. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, it could right, easily though. mean like another year of, of paperwork and bureaucracy after shooting Someone with a, who, who's holding a fucking squirt gun, by the way, is, is Prendergast going to be the laughing stock of the department for this? I think so. He's got a squirt gun. <laughs> Get another cake yeah. with a squirt gun on it. Hey, you murdered that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, think it's, it's cool that, uh, that you got defense who's trying to go home and then Prendergast who's trying to not have to go home throughout the entire movie. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels. You know, um, uh, Prendergast lost his little girl and, uh, you know, Bill is trying to get to his little girl. There's all kinds of parallels going on between them. I, I, I it's a little, it's a little heavy-handed, but I, I do think that there's like a destiny thing going on with them, or there has to be, or else it's just too coincidental to be like remotely believable. Um, because like you know the whole thing with the, I mean he move, he pushes Bill's car out of the fucking way right at the <laughs> beginning of the movie. So I mean like he, he, like from every step of the way, their days interlinked. Um, so oh. there's there there was clearly destined. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Mike, how did you like the diversity in the precinct? I was a bit surprised for 1993. Yeah, not bad, right? I mean, you got a nice balance. It's an L.A. precinct, and you got a you got a nice crew over there. I, I thought it was still you know, <laughs> fairly white, but there was a few people there. You got that dick guy, the guy who's the dick the whole movie. Not the captain, but the other detective who's always yeah, – well, I don't yeah, know why he's always around. D.W. Moffat, I believe his name. The guy no, that guy. Wait, no, uh, 
I think it's uh, Steve, uh, Park. It? Steve Park. Isn't that the guy I'm thinking of? Or no, I that's Steve, no, the, the other guy. guy. You're right. It's D.W. Moffat. Yeah, that's the guy. That Anyways, that guy, why are all these detectives, like, usually each case has, like, a set of detectives. Why are there multiple detectives always on these scenes? <laughs> I don't be a dick all the time. I, I can only imagine that D.W. Moffat just watched Bill Paxton and Predator 2 over and over and over again, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that for sure, but. Yeah, that was cool. What about Barbara Hershey, though? You know, I have never been a fan of hers for some reason. I find her to be pretty oh, bland in most ah. roles. And I know that she's... Nailed it. No, that's it. Yeah. She's bland as fuck. Always has been. Oh, thank you. Okay, great. Cool. Eric, you disagree? You guys never seen The Entity in 1981? It was fucking uh, awesome. She's yeah, great I, I hear great things. It's, it's been on the list for a long time. Get out. I will watch she's that. A, but, she's in a lot of movies. She is a uh, well-accomplished actress. I agree as, with that. As you guys say, she's serviceable because you guys both use that one all the time. She's a very serviceable actor, and that she can, you know, she's <laughs> she can do the job. But like, but you know. isn't it a isn't it kind of a thankless role though? Because in a sense, she's just running from this guy. She's a she's got the kid and having the birthday party, and there's not a lot you could do with this character. Or I maybe just, there was. I disagree. And I disagree. I actually think this is another one of the things like this is why the movie seems like it's written by two fucking dudes or at least someone who's got very much two minds. Yeah, because what's his name? Abby, uh, Abby Rose Smith or whatever. Yeah, it's one guy. It's in, a, yeah. in, a, in a big way, even the woman cop, but every cop that, that Barbara Hershey has to deal with is like not taking her seriously to the point that we as the viewers are not taking her seriously. Oh, not exactly hit you. Like how, how threatened does a woman need to be before we believe that she's at risk? Does she actually need to be punched in the face? And then we believe that she's at risk or do we believe that she knows her situation well enough to, to judge the risk and get the fuck out of it. But instead like, so, so, and, and no one believes her, but that, but like, and to the point that like, they won't even send another uh, uh, car to her house. And and um, and Prendergrass and what the fuck her name has has to go. So I actually Sandra. think it's pretty Sandra. Yeah. So I actually think it's pretty cool that for '93 that they're kind of making this a domestic abuse issue part of the film. Yeah, oh. and they're. I mean, they're. I love when they tell her, "Oh, you're you're not satisfied. We'll go vote yes on proposition that we'll get more cops on the street." That's just to throw some uh, political option at her instead of help her <laughs> genuinely. Oh. Again, yeah, it's a nihilistic movie, right? Like we talked about rules of attraction last week. I mean, like I mean, like not everybody in this in this movie is not is, is like is uh, not trying to help, but there's but there's a lot like Mr. Lee, the register's open when he comes in and asks for change, right? Like the cops, the, the Raymond Barry, just the biggest prick that could possibly possibly could be. And the cops that don't help out uh Barbara Hershey, just like a parade of people that are just like failures, like systemic failures. He's a great yeah. prick though, no doubt about it. But what about <laughs> What about Frederick Forrest? It seems like Forrest gets yeah. one of the bigger – in Shut terms of hits. all the stops along the way, right? We got the – there's so many. There's the golf course. There's the restaurant, fast food place, and so on and so forth. The guys on the stoop that he fucks scene. with. Which one? The whammy burger scene. Uh, well, go ahead. Let's yeah, there's some problems for sure. Oh, I, 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 I find it – I mean, like – I mean, so this is, this is filmed about a year – after someone watches Fisher King and then goes to a bar and shoots it up. And um, like, I, I don't know, like how, I mean, are we supposed to never show him in, in a movie again when someone is waving a gun around inside of a restaurant? I don't know, but it's played for laughs. And like part of the laughs is like, Hey, I scared a woman so much that she threw up her food. <laughs> like, no, it's not fucking funny. Like this is like, well, especially not today, of course. Yeah. Right, but like, but but it's, but my point about Fisher King is, is not as if like random shootings were not a thing at the time. 
is, is my whole point. So like it, it wasn't, it shouldn't have been as funny to me included as, as, it, as it was then. Um, so I just feel like the whole thing is kind of played for laughs and like played, played kind of weirdly. And it really highlights that like much of this movie is about how a stranger's pain can utterly change your life. Because the man just is in a, a constant swath of like traumatizing people everywhere he goes. <laughs> Some people even get shot because of him, right? But but he's yeah. it's just he's just like a trauma factory blowing through the fucking town. Everyone except by, yeah. uh, kids, which I noticed. There's two instances where kids seem to like him, and it's probably because they're you know once again viable citizens, unspoiled by the toxicity of you know the collective culture but the kid that uh, shows him how to work the bazooka the kid who wants to answer his question at the whammy burger uh it's probably making a bit of a comment on how the youth uh, have yet to be corrupted but the the thing that pisses me off the most about the whammy burger scene is the fact that everyone already has their lunch at eleven thirty four. no one's eating breakfast come on now and there's, here. And there's breakfast on the rack like he like, she, like she it's on the it. right so they easily, so like, like he, they easily could have grabbed it for him, but, but like, they just want to be dicks. But everybody's and a dick. And you're right. I mean, the Frederick Forrest scene and some, the, those are like valuable scenes to make some appropriate social commentary. The Odyssey gets a little silly when it comes to the golf course and whammy burger for me. There, there could have been potentially more scenes to stuff some more salient social commentary. And then it's, instead of just like, don't you hate it when this happens? <laughs> yeah, With the, what's uh, the deal? With the Frederick Forrest stuff, um, that that to me really seems to drive home the point that they're trying. Like, okay, let me let me back up. There's a lot of racial stereotypes in this movie, right? Yeah, I wanted to mention before we did Frederick <laughs> Forrest, the drive by and the guys on the street uh, yeah, and how I, all that plays out. There, almost there's everybody, no right? Social social effort to be like these guys are they're a product of their environment too. There's nothing about that whatsoever. But maybe there's no time for that. There isn't a lot of time for it, admittedly. And and it's not like, I mean, like, yes, there's like Latinx, like gangbanger type guys with a fucking one thing button, but also there's Latinx cops too. And like, uh, so like, it's, it's not like, it's not like everything is just completely black and white um, or like, you know, cut and dry. But uh, I do kind of feel like Frederick Forrest's character is supposed to be like the so maybe like all the stereotypes are supposed to be like the the worst versions of each race or something because then he gets to like the worst white guy and he's the only one that he kills um also i mean also i think he kills him like because he he smashes the um his daughter's gift i think he kills yeah. him in part for that Snow globe, and, not cool right and also because he likes him so much like he's like he's like he's like he doesn't want this guy's like of all he's like i don't want your fucking support bro like what are you a QAnon follower get the fuck off me but uh <laughs> but like and then, and then of course even still like he's like give it to me give it give it to me give it give it <laughs> and then has to, like, look at the picture of hitler and he's like, like like okay it's really okay for me to kill this guy right now audience right like yeah yeah please kill this guy we're like okay he does a great job in that role. I mean, say what you will. Frederick yeah. Forrest nails that role to a he T. Does. He does. But I, I find I find that that is an area that makes me confused because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to make of it all. Uh, maybe that I'm not supposed to make anything of it. Maybe there are. Maybe we're labeling things too much, and there's a there's a thought to be made between those two guys that evil is a subjective thing and. It's not always clear exactly what that evil can be, but or maybe they're trying to tell me there's multiple levels of different types of cruelty and evil. Yeah. And I don't know. I I, don't, I really don't know what to make of it in the end. It's, I really it's always creeped me out because f for me, it's scary that 
in the back room of, of you know, granted it's a military surplus store, <laughs> but in, in, you know, a footlocker, there could be these fucking nutbags in there uh, thinking, uh, planning, perpetrating these awful things. So well, is. this is, yeah, and there is. And it's just a reminder that uh, this is just everywhere and it happens. Yeah, so it's, it's the 4chan of the real world before there was a 4chan or shit like that. You know? No out, no digital outlet. I mean, and yeah. it's, it's just there and even more dangerous. It's 1992, okay? It's post-riots in L.A. in... Um, Exactly. There's cultural changes in the accessibility of guns and firearms was at like the highest rate ever. I think I looked up like 3,000 homicides in LA in 1992. Just the whole city is that just smoldering. Funny. So it makes it so fucking dangerous even to walk down the street. I love the production design and everything involved in this visually. Yeah, this is filmed in 92 and it definitely feels very post directly post riot LA. Like not just the way the it looked, but I mean like yeah, the tension, the aggression and, and the overpopulation. Every scene is just so crowded yeah. with yeah. human beings, Noise. sweaty hot Sweat, human beings sweating their ass off. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Makes me want to never I, fucking go to LA, I tell you that right now. Yeah, I, I got to say I would agree with that. But I want to give the movie credit too for the uh, two guys who are assumed to be homosexuals, I guess, in the store. They're not like they're not stereotypes. Those cut I appreciated shirts, that. Though, come on, but I don't. But no, I but believe one like, of them is oiled. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't like. But they weren't like uh, you know, outlandish. Or there's a tendency for Hollywood to make gay people, especially gay men, gay yeah. men. I like that the one flamboyant. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, exactly. So I, I, yeah, he's, I respected that. And he's brave. The 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 dark yes, hair dude. Like exactly. he like he gets a gun pulled on him and he's still like, I'm gonna pull your shit over and knock it all over. A. Fuck you. Right. Run, run yeah. out like a the other guy doesn't but... need this shit today though. So, you know, I understand. <laughs> and I understand I, I, that. I'm with him. Like I don't need yeah. this shit either, dude. Like <laughs> not worth it. No one wants to hear this. So yeah, I you know I want to give the movie credit where it deserves. Like you said, there's points where you know this is a 27 year old film, 28 year old film now, and it's not easy to just hey. We got it all figured out, and we're perfect. There are going to be flaws. That's why we do this bit. Does it hold up? But what we're trying to focus on is the overall messaging, uh, the tone of the film, how the air, you know, the characters do a great job. All everybody here plays their roles to it's a, a wide cast. Yeah, 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 it is a wide cast, and I think it deserves it deserves a place in history as a a fascinating film to review. And that's why we're doing. it. I thought it was a good choice in the end. I really did. Uh, what else have we not covered here at this point? Um, you know, I, I feel like... Well, it's a bold it narrative. Down. I mean, there wasn't a lot of movies about anti-heroes that, that were the lead in a film, especially in the 90s. You saw it a lot in the, in the 70s. I was where it stands out. was <laughs> the 70s. It's every movie. But you're right. It had yeah. been a while. The 80s were all about the heroes were the good guys. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of is what threw me, Eric. That's a good point. Like, as a kid, and part of one of my notes is like, did I not recognize that he was a bad guy because I was a kid or did I not recognize that he was a bad guy because it was 1993? Yeah. Um, yeah right. be because like he's presented as a protagonist in a lot of ways, even though the marketing, I feel like like the advertising, I, I remember the, the yeah. previews vaguely and I feel like he was pretty much promoted as like, there's not like, there's not like a, like I remember this used, that I used to think there was no clear villain in this movie, but now mm. of course I feel very differently. Yeah. Um, he's having a bad day. Right. And you're supposed Consumer. to like kind of, yeah, he's supposed, he's an antihero. He's supposed to supposed to go along with him, um, but but yeah. So that was that was something I really was wondering. Like uh, like are they are we supposed to be thinking this? But because more and more, I'm, I'm like I don't think 
I think that they are kind of presenting him like he's like we're supposed to. I, I don't know. He's just a tad too sympathetic. I guess this is where I'm going with it. <laughs> right. Again, it's not cut and dry. Yeah, this yeah. is a very murky, difficult movie to kind of parse out. And in the end, you yeah. walk away having a great conversation about it because it does bring up a lot of issues, especially today. And I think as we start to build towards the end of the show, I I'm gonna I'm getting curious. I'm really getting curious how we all feel. How do we feel about Schumacher's direction? I feel like we could touch on that a little bit more. The, like he's someone that I generally don't get excited about. He's someone that I, I find very like he gets the job done. Like he's just like you know he's not like a Cronenberg or, or a Tarantino, someone that's like visually stimulating. Um, but th- something in this movie that kind of stuck out to me that that hadn't before with him in general with his career is that like, I think that I never gave him quite the respect for the restraint that I think that he has um, like in the beginning, like the, the, the subtle, like the, like the somewhat subtle buildup of him getting of defense, getting ready to leave his car and like the, the extreme close-ups on the hands and the, and the heat and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, and then there's also like the, like this, like the image that you have behind you right now, Michael, if you, if people can see it, like a, of, of 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 Bill sitting there in the park, or my favorite shot in the movie is actually him stopping um, over the, the the painting of the burger outside the Whammy Burger and like looking at the bottom of his shoe. Like that's such a great shot. But so I, I think that like it would have been a lot easy, or or it would have been really easy for him to do this. And and one of the re- re- negative reviews basically said that he did to like sensationalize it all, sensationalize it all, and make it all really like trumped up and like. Wow, but I actually felt like it's it's a pretty restrained yeah. um, action film for 1993. Like that's um, I think that he I think he really has a steady hand. Not yeah. too many explosions. Yeah, I think that's fair to <laughs> only, say. Only the big one that deafens and, you know, uh, gives concussions to like 20 different construction workers. <laughs> and as you said, yeah, oh, that scene is dumb. Yeah, the whole shooting the bazooka down the whole thing. Come on, that was stupid. Physics just goes out the window and it travels. Yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go down first, then even out. No, fuck that. <laughs> but I will say, as you said earlier, he did a great job of setting an environment, creating an environment. You know, that is where he should get the most respect and props for this movie. The sweatiness, the hotness, the the panic, the, the heat, the feel of being oh, surrounded by everybody. No privacy, no breaks. Uh, it's really yeah. well done without really shoving it in your face. It's just part of the whole scenery and the routine of each scene. So good job, Joel. I know you're dead, but good job. Yeah, I mean, he had a f- prolific career, and he was—he grew up a real, really, really, really deep in the art scene. He was an openly gay man, so he's seen his share of fucking aggression firsthand. I guarantee it. In California, he shoots defense or Bill in these tight, inescapable close-ups almost constantly, and it gives you this claustrophobic moan. It put it mode. It puts you into the mindset of the character that is hard to shake off. And I never really noticed it until last night. Well, hey, I agree. Let's go for it. Let's let's fucking make some declarations on this, boys. It's time. Uh, Eric, have you gone first lately? (laughs) It's been a little while. Um, Yeah, um, I was a little worried, like um, our friend uh, Jess, who ended up picking this, said. uh, But uh, for me, this is a... it's still a really interesting movie that that has a lot to say uh, socially about mental health, and um, I, I I absolutely think it holds up. I like I like the uh, relationship Prendergast has with his partner. It's a platonic relationship with a an ethnic woman, and it's subtle. And his backstory is very subtle. So many movies you have the cop 
um, decide to throw away his badge at the end because, you know, fuck it. <laughs> like in Point Break when he literally throws it into yeah. a bodacious wave. Uh, but here <laughs> we have a uh, an officer deciding that it's best to, to keep fighting. And, and it's because there is that constant threat of people on the edge that uh, don't have the help they need, A, or um, are beyond help. Uh, B. And I think this is an important movie that tells us that these people are out there and that we have a responsibility to, uh, you know, do what's right. I'll go next. Travis, you can close it out. Um, those are all fair points. And yes, this can really spark a lot of conversation. You could sit down with people and say, hey, how far have we come now? You know, look at ourselves here in 2021. And uh have we gotten better? And I don't know if there really is a lot of improvement on certain fronts. And, you know, what's the point of a movie holding up or not? Does it hold up? Because, again, this is time-honored tradition on the show to debate this point. Is it because it's entertaining? Is it because it has something to say socially? Or is it because it's technically so sound that you just can't <laughs> you can't pass a movie up that's so well done? Um, I don't know. I I'm still confused by it myself, and we're on our 44th episode. So in the end, I think about falling down, and I think <laughs> about a film that is uh, – it has some moments, but it's kind of boring to me. And I didn't really reveal this during the show because I didn't want to. Huh. But I, I found it kind of drab. Uh, I kind of slogged through it at times, and I was like, eh, okay, yeah. Uh, it didn't, like, hit me so hard or, like, really – touch me in any way really really in any scene so i i'm gonna say this movie doesn't hold up for me it just doesn't because it didn't hold up for me now it doesn't mean it won't hold up for you you should definitely watch it if you've never seen it but that's how i feel all right um so this is one that i i was fairly sure how i would i would feel going into it um and i was wrong um it's definitely one that I, I also got a little bored watching it, but more so because like, even though it had been a long time, it, it's like, it's like listening to, uh, I don't know. It's like listening to the, the disintegration by the, by, by the cure. It's like, oh, it's like, it's like so ingrained in my life that like, I've, I've it's just so many fucking times that I, I could have just like turned it off and come back to it. Like, and it's kind of like not the movie's fault because I've just like worn, worn it out so much. <laughs> um, uh, and, 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 but like, but I, even, as, even what I kind I mean, I don't know that I necessarily got bored with it either at the same time. I, mean, I kind of felt that way and I kind of didn't like, Part of me is like, is it an hour and a half? Is it two and a half hours? I don't really know because I was kind of like, I'm in it. I was kind of in this journey with him throughout. I I, I do feel like there's you know, there's flaws in the movie, of course. Things that there's things that I feel like were flaws in 1993. You really want to sit there and make one of your last lines in the movie that Paradise is making babies? Like what the fuck? That's creepy and weird. Why are you talking in front of a little girl like that? Um, and also the squirt, the infamous squirt, the infamous squirt. Um, the question has always been, you know, a, as a filmmaking choice, should Michael Douglas pull the squirt of the squirt gun as he goes over the pier after he's shot or not? And I have always been fervently against that. I think it's weirdly funny and, and it just like cheapens the moment. And, um, it's, it's just, it's just so every time I see it, it's like, every time, like as many times, I'm like, I'm like, why would you choose this? Why would you, why would you want me to kind of laugh at you as you die at the, at this, yeah. I've been on this journey with you the whole time. So I, so it's, it's still not a perfect movie, but uh, as far as being 
what it was to me. I thought that I thought that the charm would have faded by now and that I would not be entertained by it. I was wrong. I'm still entertained by it. It holds up for me. You bring wow. up great points though, Mike. I mean, it's very episodic. It, it comes at you in kind of like these chapters. Okay, here's where he deals with this guy. Here's where he deals with that. And then like Prendergast's <laughs> journey is like, he's here. They look at the map. Now he's here. Now he's here. Get a so yeah, it, it, it it's a bit mundane, but um it's the only real flaw I could Look at this, it. by the way, though. Travis brought up a crucial point that sparked four straight comments. Steve Iskowski, strong pro squad here. Oh, what the fuck? I, I don't get Chad that. Gibbons, I'm sure, probably. I think he's a pro And he pro damned squirt. you. You've been damned as well. Damn you, Travis. personal. Anti-squirt, oh, Chad Gibbons. <laughs> All right. Gibbons is anti-squirt. My man. Steve says he's alone on this. Okay. He always <laughs> has been. It must have been Steve, the passionate squirt man. <laughs> I was thinking of, but you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's an issue that we've debated as long as our friends. Oh, about this? Back. That's a good line. Um, this one final act, the last thing he can do. It, it, it make you giggle right. on his way to his watery grave. <laughs> make you giggle. All right. Well, hey, you know, he was a funny guy. His sense of humor was really was underrated. Scary, you know, funny, normal. He was a real hoot in the office at the lobby. Oh boy, man. He no, we have no idea if that's true. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, he I scared his coworkers. The... We know that he he got fired for scaring his coworkers because they thought he was going to shoot the place up. Uh, okay, <laughs> so well, not, not a sweep this week. Not a sweep, but a sale victory for falling down. The listeners' choice selection for this week. Thanks, everybody. We really enjoyed this one. I, I enjoyed it regardless. It's like I said, it does spark conversation. So it's not it's not like I'm totally dismissive of this movie in all phases. It's not a like you said, it's not a, it's the world is gray. It's always been gray. So thank you so much. Uh, don't forget cinnamon nine pot of protonmail.com cinnamon nine pod on all of the social medias that you guys peruse on a daily basis. Send us a DM five stars. Remember that that offers out there five star review on Apple podcast. I'll give you whatever you want within reasons. So Mike is whoring himself out for a five star review. So <laughs> take advantage. Right, uh, <laughs> it's time for next week's selection and it's Travis Roy. We're back to the top of the board. Travis Roy, you now have the floor. You guys like there are times where I know in advance for like weeks or months what I'm going to choose. I have throughout this podcast been looking at my phone trying to frantically pick something. I just have not been able to settle settle on something. And I think the reason is Mike's fault. I think I blame you, Mike, because I still think that Rules of Attraction was such a great choice, but so I can't good. possibly live up to it. I want really? wow. like, to find something that like resonated with me when I was I'm like, okay, I'm, I, so I give up on that. So we're going back to 2012 Sorry. again. Oh, and in fact, I, I can already tell you, I'm going to keep going back to 2012. I got a bunch already like in, on my list from 2012. We're going to go back to 2012. Derek Chian The Place oh, Beyond my. the Pines. Yes. Ryan yes. Gosling and Bradley Cooper. I, I saw this in theaters. Oh, yeah. Blown away. I watched so it once good. more after that and thought, yeah, this holds up. This is a good movie. And then I have not I've watched never seen that. it. Okay. Seen it. Oh. All right. We're going to I'm excited. I've been, I always wanted to watch it, but I never turned it on. So. I really wanted to actually do Blue Valentine, but it's just because it's, it's an incredible movie, but it's just so fucking brutal. I'm like, I don't yeah. want to sit there and talk is about it. a fun it. episode? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're going to do The Place Beyond the Pines. This is Wasn't a great that shot pick. in Detroit? Or part of it? I don't know. Or am I think of a different movie. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm thinking of a different Ryan Gosling it's... movie where he's walking around the streets of Detroit. Never mind. But anyways, that did happen. Something happened. Okay. Yeah, that was Lost yeah. River. But this is a great pick, Travis. I'm fucking excited. I love this movie, but it's been a few years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been since 2012 or 13 for me. So I'm stoked. So it's not, um, it's not a what's his Sorry? face movie. The Place Beyond the Pines. I always, 
confused it with something else, which I thought was uh, Come here, boy. Terrence Malick movie. Oh, uh, what am I getting from 2011? I, I, I swear I'm the, confusing this. There's something the similar about them. Yes, there it is. Pines and trees. Exactly. That's the connection. Yeah, that was in 2007 or something. Or when was, or was that 2005? Five. No, five. It was 2005. Okay. It, yeah, it was not 2005. It's, it's right way now. back then. I saw it with with our with friend of the show, Stephen Floyd Laskowski. It's 2012, and... you fucks. Deal with Tree, it. Tree of Life is 2012. No, the place beyond the pines. <laughs> yeah, no, I said you know that. Asshole. I started <laughs> this segment saying it was in 2012. <laughs> That's, I was right. 2011. Asshole. I said it started in 2012. When it started, I said it came out. Tree 2012. of Life, 2011. My apologies, but I was right. Tree of Life, 2011. 2011. Oh, okay. right. Like bad. I said, rewind My this bad. tape later when we listen to the show. Hey guys, My I wonder bad. if Place Beyond the Pines will hold up. <laughs> okay yeah cut the shit next week be there this movie is amazing or is it well look i'm excited i, I always want to watch it so i can't wait now i'm actually looking forward to this more than any it. selection of recent memories so thank you travis all right well, for, we'll see how it goes you might have hit on you might have actually lived up to the rules of attraction hype here so that's good we'll see we'll see all right. wow all right well that's it that's been the falling down episode bye everybody thanks for tuning in bye. never you can always uh, hang out with us whenever you want by listening to any of our 44 episodes uh, anytime on spotify apple Podcasts, yada 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 that's it show's over thanks bye-bye thanks for watching i'm the bad guy